Welcome to The Compliance Files, brought to you by Compliance Institute. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series, giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, bringing challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere. former president of the Compliance Institute and a compliance professional of over 20 years. And it is a great pleasure for me to host this podcast. On 3rd of November 2021, a supervisory expectations letter was issued to regulated firms regarding climate and other environmental, social and governance issues, setting out the central bank's supervisory expectations at that time as firms seek to comply with statutory and regulatory obligations on climate and broader ESG issues. In summary, these supervisory expectations focused on the five key areas of governance, risk management framework, strategy and business model risk, disclosures and scenario analysis and stress testing. Central Bank also established a dedicated climate change unit to help steer the agenda and bring additional focus to their work in this area. Central Bank sees addressing climate change as a strategic priority and that the financial system has to be resilient to the risks it poses, as well as having an important role to serve the needs of consumers and the wider economy. Here at the Compliance Files, we've dealt with ESG in previous podcasts and no doubt it will recur into the future as a theme. But today we look at it from a broader industry and skills perspective. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Andrew Murphy, co-founder of Koopman Search and Selection. Andrew is here to talk to us about the importance of ESG and financial services and how Koopman as a B Corp certified company is committed to using business as a force for good, advocating for companies to begin their B Corp journey so that they may ensure that they meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency and legal accountability. So thank you very much, Andrew, for joining me today. So starting at the beginning, why is ESG becoming more important in financial services? It's a really great question, I think, just to kind of set the context of the conversation today and something I've been thinking about uh, recently. I think if you look at ESG in its first iteration when it was formed kind of 2004 by the UN, which is almost 20 years ago now, and you look at where we're at today, it's certainly clear that it's increased significantly with regards to the attention placed on ESG, um, I think, as people really start to understand climate change and, and the risks associated with climate change. So I think the you know, financial services firms really uh, are starting to you know, come to the realisation that if they don't place more importance on ESG, they're, they're going to somewhat be left behind. And you know, why it's a very competitive business landscape, you know, if they don't adopt ESG principles, then they're going to fall behind their, their peers. And I think you know, what we've probably seen uh, within financial services is that, you know, they're really looking to, to kind of the risk mitigation aspects of kind of what ESG is about. Uh, financial institutions now recognize that ESG issues can pose, you know, significant financial risk. There's environmental risks, such as, as we say, climate change related events. There's social risks related to labor practices. There's governance risks like uh, board diversity and executive compensation. And all of these can have a huge impact on, on a company's financial performance. So it's key that they, they obviously focus on risk mitigation. 
I've seen in, in kind of Ireland particularly, but across Europe, there's an increase in regulatory pressure. So the regulatory bodies in, in many countries now are pushing for greater ESG disclosure and compliance. So you've got SFDR and CSRD coming into effect. So they almost have no choice but to place more importance on, on ESG because the pressure is going to start coming uh, thick and fast in, in some regards. Uh, and then finally, I think, you know, it, it, there's a, an increased investor demand. You know, they're really considering now ESG factors when they make investments, both retail and institutional money. And I think this trend is driven by you know, more of a, an awareness around sustainability issues and a desire to align, I suppose, their kind of either company or personal values to the investments that they make. So I think, yeah, if you kind of take all that into, into consideration to kind of mitigate risks, meet regulatory pressure to attract and retain assets and appease investor demand, financial services really, you know, have had no choice but to, to start to really kind of place importance on, on ESG. Thanks, Andrew. And then there's also the important role of pushing capital towards transition enabling industries as well. And that's, that's a really important aspect because the transition isn't going to happen without, without financial services. And just for listeners, SF. DR is the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation and CSRD is the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directives. We are going to have podcasts on those in the future and go into a bit more detail at that time. Andrew, so those are some of the risks, but ESG does present opportunities. So can you talk about some of the opportunities for financial firms of ESG? Absolutely. I think it's quite evident that there's been a lot of focus on the E and G. So the environmental and the government's aspects within firms when we look at the ESG framework. Now, I suppose just to touch on very quickly, there's still a lot of opportunities in that regard. And you mentioned, obviously, putting finance to, to transition industries. And I think there's a there's a huge opportunity, you know, for impact investment, uh, whether, you know, companies can create investment vehicles that will bring institutional money to you know, important factors such as biodiversity, which is arguably a bigger threat than, than kind of climate risk. So, you know, E&G still has a lot of work be done and there's still a lot of opportunities but the, the one part i wanted to speak about uh, today is, is the s now i think you know our interactions in the market um across the consultancy firms financial services firms uh, and even kind of on uh, at a candidate level we're really seeing now employees want to work for employers who value and integrate esg into their business you've got so much happening out there in the world at the moment you've got the rising cost of living You've got the threat of widespread inflation, which is, you know, a major factor in employee motivation to secure, you know, higher salaries and a more competitive pay. But more importantly than that, I suppose at the moment, we're really seeing a focus on health and well-being initiatives. So, you know, firms who are not only talking about health and well-being, but taking real action is something that we're starting to see more and more of. And I think almost placing more importance on that over salary. When we talk about well-being initiatives, we're talking about you know, your hybrid working policy, health benefits, parental leave benefits, things that go beyond just a, a paid salary to really give people a better quality of life. Now, of course, the S in, in ESG it goes beyond as well employee well-being, of course. I think you know, so you can really include community engagement and supply chain ethics into that as well, which are quite broader topics in their own right. But if you kind of bring it back to, to kind of the employee aspect, you know, that's where we're seeing potentially the biggest opportunity for financial service firms is to really, you know, take the S, look at that, better attract and retain talent in, in what is a very competitive market. And I think firms who 
you know, also, I suppose, add equity in the D&I equation will be more attractive to potential employees as well, because what that means is that they create equitable workplaces uh, and governance structures. And I suppose these more likely to align with ESG principles. So that demonstrates to the market and, and, and to prospective employees that there's ethical leadership there um, and they're able to contribute to broader sustainability goals. And I suppose ultimately, if you have everybody kind of bought into that, you know, attracting the best talent, it's going to hopefully result in, in better performance and I suppose ultimately a stronger bottom line. So if you're looking at kind of opportunities within ESG, focusing on, on the S will, will certainly have an impact on, on profitability, which I think is you know, a huge opportunity. Yes, it's something I've been quite conscious of is as Gen Z enters the workforce in numbers, I think that's going to become more and more important for them because that, that is a priority for them. So how could firms realise their full potential on an ESG? Yeah, so again, it's another great question and, and probably one that you know, to do justice to the question in a couple of minutes is impossible. It, it's it's obviously a, uh, it requires a comprehensive and an integrated approach that permeates the entire organization. So it's full, you know, end to end review to, to in order to, to see a full potential of the SG agenda. But I think in kind of my opinion and conversations of, of speaking to people in this area, there really has to be a commitment first and foremost from leadership. It's vital that it's set from the top down, you know, at a board level and, you know, within a senior managership level. If there's a lack of knowledge there or if they're not championing ESG principles and, and aligning them to business, then it's really not going to go anywhere. So I think the, the culture and the realization of the potential has to be driven from the top down. Once you've got that in place and, and, and there is that acknowledgement and that acceptance, then You've really got to then work with your various departments and, and align everybody to be working together from the same page. So you've got to align your risk, compliance, various other committees who are ultimately going to be responsible for enforcing compliance and I suppose driving the responsible governance and the reporting thereof. So then you've got, I suppose, your, your house in order come from the top down, everything's being well governed. From there, then, you, you know, I think for the firms who will really be successful in, in realizing potential, it's, it's committing to investing. So the firm, you know, has to really look at, you know, investing in talent first and foremost, whether that be education and training of existing employees or making the budget available to, to bring in expertise externally into, into the firm. You know, that's a huge investment. People usually are the most expensive investment within a company. Um, so those who make that leap will, will certainly, you know, see, see more potential because this is going to lead to, you know, better enhanced decision-making in the business, uh, whether that's across risk assessments or portfolio construction, when you've got that expertise trained or, or brought in-house. And then, you know, investment again into driving improved data analytics and reporting and investment in innovation to create and sell new products. Um, I think if, if all this is done, where you're seeing kind of top-down culture with an alignment across the various departments and investment in, in people's systems and, and products, then what you're probably going to find is that you'll, you know, you'll appease your client demands because they can see that's being taken seriously within the company. And I think, you know, all that together will ultimately lead to long-term value creation because ESG forces you to think long-term. So I suppose in a nutshell, that's how I would, you know, see kind of, yeah, the ESG agenda being kind of fully realized. And turning 
Andrew, to something that is very dear to Compliance Institute's heart and central to our mission, actually, uh, training and education. So yeah. how important is training and education and skills in ESG for professionals working in financial services? Yeah, it's crucial, Cathy. It really is. You know, we're, in, we're navigating such a rapidly changing landscape where you're having to manage risks, meet the stakeholder and shareholder expectations and really try to take advantage of opportunities within you know the ESG movement that you know for professionals working in financial services working in compliance to you know continuously look at the the training and education when it comes to ESG really will position them to to navigate that successfully and, and it's keeping up with demand as well I think if you look at ESG expertise is is very much now a very sought after and valuable skill set within you know financial institutions so you know, those professionals with the ESG knowledge are uh, ultimately going to have access to a, a wider range of, of career opportunities. And when it's um, evolving uh, at such a rapid pace, those opportunities are going to present themselves a lot more frequently. And even if, uh, you know, a person is in their current role, keeping abreast of education, certification, CPD hours, all related to, I suppose, ESG and ESG compliance will be very important because each industry, each sector has very specific risks and regulations. So being able to stay on top of that from you know, conducting your own role and a reporting point of view and a regulatory point of view is, is obviously essential. But beyond that, you know, career advancement is a mix of technical understanding and also you know, soft skills and relationship building across an organization. And I suppose what we're seeing is that if uh, a person has upskilled themselves and trained themselves and educated themselves, they're going to have a lot stronger stakeholder management and stakeholder engagement within their own firm because they're ultimately going to be able to understand the expectations of the various stakeholders. And again, we go back to the previous point about it you know, being set from the top down. If you understand their concerns and their priorities um, and understand, you know, where your investors are coming from, where your customers are coming from, you know, what your employees are looking for, what the regulators want, all that together, you're really going to be able to, you know, to stay on top of, of those relationships and really enhance them and, and ultimately work in a, in a lot more effective manner. So, yeah, I think for, for people, if they're, they're listening to this and, you know, take that away that, you know, training internally is equally as important as trying to find, you know, training to find a, a, a new role externally. And then you can really elevate your career by, by doing so. Thanks, Andrew. And you mentioned something very dear to our hearts, that's education, certification, CPD. So I couldn't let the opportunity go by without mentioning the Compliance Institute Professional Diploma in Sustainable Finance for Compliance and Professionals, which I'm actually doing at the moment. So I'm, I'm well into module three now. It's, it's three module program and it is excellent it goes from the beginning of the story and makes it really applicable to compliance professionals so it's very relevant it's the first program of its kind globally and uh, it's a collaboration between compliance institute sustainable finance skill net and ifs skill net and it does equip compliance professionals um, with the skills to keep abreast of sustainable finance developments and it's at level eight on the nfq it really is an excellent program so i can't i can't let that opportunity go by without without that plug andrew so thank you for for that now as a someone who works in the recruitment industry what are you seeing in the market in relation to esg career opportunities yeah it's um i, I suppose again just to go back to on, on my previous point it's such a, a rapidly evolving space that i suppose our first observation is that the market 
especially in Ireland, is, is probably somewhat immature to, to meet the demand that's being placed on, on financial institutions in the sense people are, are you know, recently starting to take courses, um, and as you just mentioned there, and you know, what we've seen the kind of the CFA Institute offer as well. So you know, I think first and foremost, the consultancy firms, you know, big four top 10 practices are starting to build out their, their sustainability teams where they can go in and, and, and offer that advice to clients. So I think there's definitely been huge opportunity for those working in compliance and, and kind of risk management to, to transition into you know, those advisory teams and, uh, and get more direct experience, which Ultimately, you know, is, is financial services and other industry uh, focus. But kind of aside from that, I think what we're really seeing is a, a keen emphasis by companies to upskill their, their their current staff. Again, going back to the kind of the importance of training and education and CPD, you know, it's really about identifying those uh, with a keen interest in ESG and sustainability and, and offering them the tools and resources to, to kind of upskill because, again, when you look at the regulatory architecture that firms have to comply with, you know, if, if they're not getting access to, to, to that training and education, then, you know, unfortunately, the, the, the firms are going to be in, in, in difficulty. So I think it, it's a space that will really start to see evolve where we may then start to see dedicated roles like I know we may touch upon kind of the chief sustainability officer role becoming more prevalent within firms, dedicated ESG research analysts, that's dedicated ESG compliance professionals, depending on the organizational structure, they'll become a lot more prevalent in-house. But I think at the moment, the focus is educating and training the current workforce, uh, and then the consultancy firms building out these teams to, to kind of meet demand at the moment. So that's kind of some of the observations that we're seeing from an, an opportunity point of view. Yes. And then, you know, with the central bank being a key stakeholder, there will be second line opportunities mm-hmm. as well for, for yeah. compliance professionals, because they will have to upskill, given the, frankly, tsunami of regulation that's going to <laughs> um, hit in this space. We've heard floated that the role of the chief sustainability officer, and we know these exist already. Uh, in your view, what does this Chief Sustainability Officer do, and where, in your view, should it sit in an organisation? I suppose in the simplest form, the core aspect of the you know the CSO or Chief Sustainability Officer is to help the CEO navigate the ESG environment. So I mean they're ultimately responsible for the firm's objectives and initiatives relating to sustainability. They ultimately have to make sense of the firm's external environment that they're operating in, and then shape the firm's business model, engage and connect to ensure compliance across the organization, ultimately to, to meet sustainability targets and reduce the footprint of the firm. So it's a role that is very strategic in its focus and in its importance. It requires the CSO to have you know, very much a holistic view of the business and the ability then to communicate with the whole firm. So what, when you're asking where would this sit in, a, in an organization, I mean, this role can sit in a number of different places, it makes the most sense for a role to sit close to the CEO um, because this is where it's going to have the biggest impact uh, in the firm. So if, if this is the, the direct reporting line, then you, you, the chances of this role being successful is, is increased significantly. And we probably see this reporting line more common in the banking industry rather than kind of the asset management and insurance industry. If the role doesn't report into the CEO, it doesn't sit in that kind of function, then typically it could be, you know, the, the head of communications, the head of HR is a, another common report line. And again, it, you know, it's ultimately because of the influence and ability to, to coordinate across, across the firm. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a very strategic 
role very influential in its in its nature, where the biggest impact could ultimately be reporting in, in, into the CEO. Andrew, um, who are best placed to take on the role of the CSO? Yeah, I, I, I think again, as we as you mentioned, it's it, it's a role that's becoming more more prevalent in the market, and I think what you'll probably find is depending on. The, the nature of the business, the, the industry of the business, uh, the person going into this role coming from, from all different backgrounds. Um, you know, the role of a CSO isn't as defined as, let's say, that of a chief compliance officer or a chief risk officer, you know, as, as their mandates usually depend on the firm's business model and, and its risk exposure. I suppose as a result, the background of those that will step into this role will, will vary across the business. And you may see people from legal compliance risk all the way through then to those coming from, from strategy and investments, which is great. I think when you, you know, look at the kind of compliance professionals in the market, that there's a very real opportunity for them to look to kind of work towards this as a, as a future role or maybe create this within their own firm at the moment by taking on extra responsibilities and, and kind of pushing for that. When you look at kind of you know, the soft skills of who's best placed to take on that obviously a CSO, I think, again, we kind of touched upon it already, but it's those who have links to sustainability, so a very strong educational foundation. So they may have sustainability management or study business ethics. If they haven't done so in education, it's not an issue, but they'll definitely have to have had some level of sustainability expertise from their work with, you know, extensive knowledge of, of ESG principles and, and frameworks. But then I suppose boiling that down into, into kind of the, the, the softer skills, they need to have a strategic approach, as we've already mentioned. It's it's very much aligning business models to the external environment. They need to be able to articulate and curate a uh, you know a long term sustainability strategy, and then have the ability to communicate and influence and and lead that that change. Organizational change is not easy. You need to bring people on a journey, tell a story, and, and make sure things align. So you know those that can can do that well will will ultimately be successful in attaining, you know, a CSO role. So, yeah, can come from very different backgrounds, ensuring that if they don't have the educational foundation to, to really leverage the extensive knowledge from a, you know, an expertise point of view, and then understanding do they have the, the relevant uh, soft skills to, to take on such a role. Thanks, Andrew. And that would uh, support what we've always said in Compliance Institute, that compliance professionals have skills that are eminently transferable, because this CSO would be a first line role. It wouldn't wouldn't sit in the in the second line, in my view, anyway. But yeah, it points up to to just how transferable our our skills are. If any of our listeners are thinking about or interested in a career in ESG, how would they go about preparing themselves to enter in, into such a career? The three things I'd probably advise your listeners to do as a starting point, anyway. There's definitely more than three, but I think the three kind of main important factors to, to preparing for a career in ESG, and we talked about this quite a lot already is building the foundational knowledge of ESG. So obviously that professional diploma in sustainable finance for compliance professionals that you mentioned, that's you know first of its kind globally. What a fantastic opportunity to really, you know, start that educational foundation and you know, really start to understand this area in more detail. And obviously there are other um, CPT programs and uh, certificates out there uh, and the Corporate Governance Institute as well. So there's a lot of options presenting themselves now for for people to really start to build that knowledge base, um, which is the kind of platform for which to develop a career, let's say, in ESG. One thing that's very evident, though, from when we speak to potential employers is employees need to show, not so much show, but they need to genuinely have a passion for this area of work. 
I think it'd be quite easy for people to see this as a future trend, you know, growth area and say, like, I want to get involved in that. But ultimately, given the nature of the work, you know, people have to be passionate about sustainability. And I think those that are able to understand that passion, be able to articulate why it's of interest and be able to demonstrate the passion, you know, again, not going back to not just talking about it, but being able to actively demonstrate through taking on extra training and certifications, then, then that, that's going to demonstrate that to its potential uh, employers and, you know, ultimately lead to, to success and uh, secure roles in ESG. If people are comfortable, you know, building an online presence and engaging and talking on that, you know, it's ever important in, in the world that we live in, uh, will also demonstrate a passion if people are willing and able to do that. So, yeah, definitely, you know, articulate and, and understand your, your passion for, for ESG. And then kind of the final point on that, I think, is is equally important is, is networking. You know, this is a, a growing space. It's a, a space where everyone is still learning. I know you and I have said that, you know, we're still very much learning on a daily basis of, uh, about this area of the market um, and what it, what, what it's ultimately leading to. So reach out to others working in this space, you know, attend events, seminars, online, offline uh, events, be seen in the community, be proactive. Uh, and ultimately, those networking opportunities may present and, and lead to uh, career opportunities because, you know, again, a lot of the time, if you're engaging with like-minded individuals and they happen to be thinking about creating a role or, or hiring in that space, you, you may just be ahead of the market. So, yeah, build out your education foundations, understand your passion for this area and be able to articulate it. And then finally, network and, and meet other like-minded people to, to be seen in the community. Great advice there, Andrew, for anyone interested in this and very much aligned again to the compliance professional's journey, you know, education, networking and the importance of authenticity around, you know, your passion for ethics. So it's very aligned to the, the compliance experience. So turning to what firms can do to demonstrate that they are genuinely embracing sustainability, obviously accountability, evidencing is very important um, in the compliance world. So what can firms do to show that they are genuinely walking the walk on sustainability and embedding the obligations? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the key to be able to demonstrate this, I, I feel, is is through independent verification, where a third party has come in and assessed your business and uh, is able to, you know, evidently say that you're you're doing what you, you say you're doing. So one of the frameworks that exist at the moment and one of the things that obviously I wanted to, to speak to you about today was the, the B Corp certification, something that here at Coopman we, we attained in, in November 2021. I suppose just to give some context on this B Corp certification and how that relates to ESG, I suppose both emphasise the importance of social and environmental responsibility. I suppose B Corp certified companies are legally required to balance profit with the interests of society and the environment. So very much kind of aligns with the, the ESG components as well. And that legally adopted framework, Kathy, essentially measures your impact as a firm. So it's very much a, a stakeholder-led model, not a shareholder-led, and requires a very intensive process for certification where you have to, you, know, you talk about um, documentation and uh, reporting, um, you have to, to report in all areas of you know, governance, how you engage in your communities, how you treat your workers, how you work within the environment, um, and they assess everything you do in those areas. Um, and to gain certification, you need a score of 80 from what's called their impact assessment. And that's ultimately reviewed every three years to ensure that you 
know you uh, retain the certification so it's it, it, it's really them coming in under the bonnet of your business making you prove and uh, provide evidence for absolutely everything and then giving you that independent verification which is publicly transparent so there's nowhere to hide it's all publicly available information so if you go onto the b lab website and kind of search for group when you'd be able to see exactly you know our score and the areas that we did well in and i think just kind of looking at it from our point of view um, to give, I suppose, listeners and in, in, in companies an understanding of the benefits. It's really given us the confidence that we're doing things in a sustainable manner. I think practically has put in place extremely strong governance for, for what is still very much a startup business. We're only coming up to our fourth year anniversary. So we've really enhanced our policies, you know, looked at our controls and processes for making you know, the business very transparent to those who work with us um, as clients and, and, and candidates, but also then those who work for us in terms of kind of our employees. And I suppose going back to the previous point about how confirms realize their ESG potential, which one of the first questions you asked, well then, you know, this framework would certainly help to align your firm's values and set the strategy. And that strategy holds us as business owners very much accountable. And again, kind of just to give you a bit more context, you know, on the employee side of things, which again, going back to a previous point, focuses on the S aspect, which we know is a huge opportunity in ESG, it's enabled us to enhance our corporate benefit, you know, put in place market leading commission models, bringing in health and education support. We've um, built partnerships in the NGO sector and have done a number of fundraising uh, and volunteering initiatives. And again, from a talent attraction point of view, we know that the younger talent, the Gen Z, as you mentioned, you know, will assess a firm based on its values and its commitment to sustainability initiatives. So this certification in some ways tells people straight away you know, what your values are, what you stand for, and ultimately what you're doing within the firm. And then from a client's point of view, it's helped us to really build consumer trust. They know they're working with a company that's well-governed and transparent and socially environmentally responsible. So we talk about kind of conduct risk and compliance risk culture and, you know, the, the whole governance piece. Well, you know, this straight away tells, you know, clients and people who do business with you that you are uh, well-governed because they've come in and tested you. Uh, and then through that impact assessment, as I mentioned, you know, clients can make informed decisions before working with us because all the information is publicly available. They can assess their supply chain risk in terms of ESG and understand are we somebody that they they could and, and should be doing business with. So that's been a huge benefit for, for us as a business. So I suppose ultimately, kind of in, in ending, you know, a B Corp certification can certainly help financial services institutions achieve their ESG objectives by providing them with a legally binding framework that's ultimately going to drive stakeholder engagement. It's going to measure their impact, um, which provides more transparency and better reporting, which then leads to better trust with the clients and employees. So going back to that kind of holistic end-to-end, -end, I really do believe that this is a, a viable option to, to realise you know, potential within this space. Thanks, Andrew. So a really powerful tool then to drive stakeholder conversations. And returning to the future, what do you see as the evolving role of the compliance professional in ESG and also the evolving role of the sustainability team and CSO? Yeah, I think, you know, compliance, you know, as a profession uh, and roles in that space, again, it is going to evolve rapidly in, in the months and years ahead when integrating ESG into a business's core strategy. It, you know, the responsibility of compliance professionals to drive regulatory compliance to increase transparent reporting, you know, will encompass, you know, increased interactions across the business. Um, so we're really going to start to see 
you know, compliance is influence and, and touch points within the business in, you know, increase it ever more uh, across data, you know, risk management, as we've already mentioned, kind of that stakeholder engagement and, you know, looking at, at supply chain risks as, as kind of firms continue to attract investment and, and offer new products to the market. So compliance are really going to have to uh, remain very agile, very forward thinking in order to, to keep up with the pace of, of business change ultimately. And what I'd like to probably end on saying, Kathy, is that lines professionals, sustainability teams, CSOs are all going to become very, very integral players in the business world. You know, we can't really stress the importance of that uh, enough uh, when we look at kind of being able to address the ESG challenges and also, you know, meet and take advantage of the opportunities. So, you know, they're going to be front and center and in some ways and kind of leading the charge and embedding sustainability into into the financial services sectors and and promoting responsible practices which i think comes with a certain you know level of responsibility and something people you know hopefully in years and generations to come be able to kind of be proud of to say that you know they were there during that kind of uh, generational kind of shift uh, in kind of business practice so very much kind of uh, yeah evolving role and evolving responsibility Yes, and just to give a mention to greenwashing risk, um, which can appear up and down an organization, yeah. across products, across processes. So we would see compliance and sustainability teams combating what will be a really considerable risk across organizations. So that takes us to the end of our discussion. Andrew, thank you so much. It was a really interesting, wide-ranging discussion there. You know, you mentioned the importance of, of governance in this space investment and alignment across people and product, long-term thinking, the rapidly changing landscape, meeting all of stakeholders' expectations, not just shareholders, the importance of education, certification, CPD, which is really important to us at uh, Compliance Institute, um, the importance of building good foundations for a career, education, knowledge, the importance of authenticity in your approach to ESG, um, you, you cannot fake this, the importance of networking, you know, the value of an independent certification, which helps build consumer trust. And we had a little look at the future. So thank you, Andrew, for sharing your expertise and views on this topic. Thank you also to the listeners of the Compliance Files podcast, which was brought to you by the Compliance Institute. I'm sure that you find this podcast interesting and useful, and we would be very grateful if you would review or rate this podcast. And until the next episode, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Compliance Files. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to ensure you don't miss out on future episodes.